You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. So yeah, on Monday night we had the True Girl Conference here and it was great. It was a conference for uh, girls ages 5th uh, grade through 8th grade and it was just learning about what it looks like to be a woman, to be a woman of God and it was awesome. It was a fun time. We had 200 of these the girls and their moms here and just uh, enjoyed and they had confetti cannons and I got to clean up with my leaf blower. Like it was pretty cool. You use a leaf blower inside a worship center. That's awesome. Um, and so it was neat. Like I didn't realize uh, what God is kind of orchestrated that this this week we, we have these bookends of we were caring for the young ladies of this church and then uh, on this coming Saturday we have a, a conference for all the other women of the church that uh, this little card on your seat uh, I want to encourage you we have a conference coming up uh, by from Priscilla Schreier she is going to be uh, hosting it it's a simulcast that we're hosting and it's going to be awesome it's Saturday um, if you are interested it's the $15 covers the conference child care lunch um and so, I mean, for $15, just childcare for a day, you can just come and take a nap during the conference and, and enjoy a lunch and, and childcare. But uh, the conference is going to be awesome. You won't want to take a nap. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to sign up. I think the, the cost goes up in a day or two. So it says that on the postcard. And so you can go online and sign up. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's been a great morning. Uh, we got some cool stuff. Today's Child Dedication Day. But also, today is the Feast of Trumpets. We have been working through the book of Ephesians uh, recently, and we're taking a break because we've also this year been doing a series on the Jewish festivals, the Jewish feasts, and we've looked at those on the day that those uh, feasts were celebrated. And so today is uh, Rosh, uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, it starts tonight at sundown and goes through Tuesday night at, at sundown, and so it's a celebration. So we're going to look at that today, but look at these ideas of these feasts and these festivals and why God had them, but more importantly, how Jesus fulfilled them. These, uh, uh, these festivals that God had asked the Jewish people to, to celebrate was for a reason. It was to commemorate a moment where God had intervened with them, where God had a relationship with them, where they were engaged together. And so God had set aside these, these times to, to stop what you're doing, to stop working and, and rest in him, to, to celebrate, to have a party, to have a festival meal, to come together, to celebrate God's interaction. And so there is, there's festivals in the spring and, and festivals in the fall. And some of those spring festivals which we looked at were examples like Pentecost and Passover. And, and so these were to celebrate when God interacted with the people of Israel, right? Like for example, Passover. They, God had commanded them to celebrate Passover every year. And this was to remind them of when they were held captive as, as slaves in Egypt. And, and God had made this command that you'd take a, a lamb without any, any flaws, uh, without any blemishes and, and you would slaughter that lamb and then put the blood on the doorpost and that night as the blood was on the doorpost the angel of death came and if they saw the blood it would turn away but if the blood was not there the angel of death would come in and the firstborn of that household would die. And so it was at this that, that Pharaoh had his firstborn son die and he said, "Let go ahead and go, just take your people and go. And the people of Israel were able to flee. And so God says, celebrate this, mark this as a reminder of my interaction with you where, where we, we had Passover and that the angel of death passed over. And so these feasts were intended for that purpose in the Old Testament. But what I love is that that was God's plan that they thought at the time was to, to celebrate what had happened. 
But God was still setting it up so that we'd be able to celebrate what was to come in Jesus. And so in that example of Passover, Jesus, uh, the unblemished lamb, Jesus, without any sin, died on the cross. His blood was spilt for us. And just as that lamb allowed so his death would go over because of Jesus' blood, the penalty of sin, which is death, is not one that we will have to endure. We will have eternal life with Christ in heaven. And so Jesus fulfills these festivals, and so that's what we've been looking at this past year. Like I said, the spring ones have come and already occurred, and we already looked at those and focused on those. And those are the festivals that Jesus has already fulfilled. He already was the Passover lamb. At Pentecost, where they celebrated, where Moses came down and met with God on the mountain as the people came out of Israel, the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 came down and, and filled the people. And so we celebrated, we talked about how Pentecost was the fulfillment of that. Well, the fall festivals, which we're about to come upon, are ones that Jesus is to, will fulfill into the future. And so these fall festivals <coughs> happen very quickly uh, together. They happen in the seventh month of the Jewish and religious calendar, seven being God's holy number. And these, these festivals are ones that, that come and uh, they, they point to something. For this first one, the, the festival of trumpets is Rosh Hashanah. It leads to repentance, this urgency to repent. Which leads to our next one, which is Yom Kippur, which we'll look at next week, which is the redemption that the people would be redeemed. And then the next one is the Feast of Tabernacles, where it's a celebration of great praise for what God has done. Same thing in our life, that as we repent and we are then redeemed, we can celebrate that Jesus Christ died for us and our salvation is secure. And so as we look at this, you might be thinking, well, why are we looking at these Old Testament stories? Because they pointed to Christ. Jesus even saw this, we see this passage in Luke chapter 24. Jesus has died on the cross and rose again. And many of the disciples have, have seen him and others have just heard that he's back. And so there's a story of these two disciples that are walking to Emmaus and, and they're talking and, and they're trying to put grasp what has just happened. What do they believe? What do they know? And, and Jesus comes alongside them. And it says, and, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, meaning Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. And I can't help but picture this walk that Jesus is having with these, these disciples. And, and he's sharing how everything pointed to the Messiah. And how Jesus fulfilled these things. And I'm sure he got to the point where he talks about Passover and he shares about how Jesus, without any sin, and he, and he tells them about that. And he gets to Pentecost and he tells them about what's to come. And he gets to the Feast of Trumpets and it says that he, he explained all this, how scripture pointed to him. And I can't help but think there was a moment on this walk that he was explaining how the Feast of Trumpets pointed to Jesus as the victor over the spiritual battle. So that's what we'll look at today. If you have your Bibles, uh, we are jumping all over the place. Normally, we kind of hide out in one little area and, and stick there. Here, we're jumping all over, so you can try to follow along with me. We'll also have it on Scripture or on the screens. But we're introduced to, to the Festival of Trumpets in Leviticus chapter 23. God is giving this orders of the different feasts to celebrate and, and he talks about each one and, and he gets to the Feast of Trumpets and it's a small little segment and there's not much details but it's a significant celebration. It says in chapter 23 verse 23 through 25, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month you are to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpets blasts. 
Do not do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. This was on the, the first day of that seventh month, and they're announcing of what is to come. A big part of the Feast of Trumpets was on this first day to say, hey, in 10 days is Yom Kippur. And so we're setting aside right now to celebrate, to, to bring our focus on what is to come in 10 days. And so there's a couple of things that they did on this Feast of Trumpets. And the first is a Sabbath rest. That God ordered them, commanded them to stop. Just be in him. To abide in the Lord. To spend time with him, to rest, to get rid of all the extra sound, all the, the busyness in their lives, and to rest in him. And I see that, and I see this is what God commanded. And how often do we do that in our daily lives? And when was the last time you were able to just say, I'm just stopping and I'm abiding in God. I'm just resting in him. To be able to maybe turn off your phone or turn off the, phone, the TV. To be able to set aside our schedules are so crazy and busy between work and home and schools and, and sports and errands and, and groceries and cleaning the house and yard work and, and the relationships we're trying to engage in and, and everything in between. And there's so many things going on and so many plates we're spinning. How often do we just stop and rest in God? To, to put our trust that we could take this time and, and be with the Lord and, and those plates are going to keep spinning without us. To put our faith that God's got us. And so this was an integral part of this festival was just to stop. Spend time with the Lord. And I want to encourage each one of us to do that. Find a way to do that. Whether that's on a weekly basis, maybe that's today for, for five minutes and just try to figure out a way to get away from the craziness of life, and spend five minutes with the Lord. And so they had this Sabbath rest, and then they had a sacrifice. And this idea of a sacrifice has been long in the practice of God's people. In fact, it goes back to the beginning of mankind. Adam and Eve had sinned. They ate of the, the fruit of the tree that God had told them not to. And it says in the, in the early scriptures, in, in the beginning of Genesis, that, that God made them hides to cover themselves with. And so they were naked before this and felt no shame, but for some reason now, because of the sin, they, they realize they are exposed to this knowledge, and, and they tried covering themselves with leaves, but God takes an animal and sacrifices it and gives them a hide to make clothe out of, clothing out of. This was the first sacrifice because of the sin. Because it says the wages of sin is death. And so there was this idea, the sacrificial system, that because of sin, death has entered. And the only satisfaction for the sin is death. And so they would come and they would sacrifice this animal. God established this in the Garden of Eden. But it then continues on to the people of Israel. And so they have these sacrifices that they would have to make. That they would admit, I've sinned, I've failed, I haven't been able to walk faithfully. Here's a sacrifice that I'll make. And so there were different kinds of sacrifices of animals. And, and of burnt offerings and, and here is a sacrifice of food and so you would give this all these sacrifices were designed in a hope for what ultimately would be the final sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross that he died and finally conquered death and conquered our sin and the sin of all mankind on the cross when he rose again he conquered all those things and so that sacrifices are no longer needed 
because Jesus was our sacrifice. And so they would have this rest and they would have a sacrifice. But then, it's called the Feast of Trumpets, the Festival of Trumpets for a reason. They would blow the trumpets, the resounding sound. And so these trumpets were coming from a, a ram's horn. This is one similar. This is from Jacob Eig. And he, he brought this to me and, and he's telling me about the story of when he purchased this in Israel. And it's a beautiful uh, horn. I, I wish I could just pass it around for all of you, but someone's bound to drop it. And then it's all on me and I'd feel bad. And so I'll just have to hold it and hope I don't drop it. That'd be awful. Psh, boom. Uh, and... And so this horn, and, and Jacob blew it for me earlier today, and it just makes this beautiful sound. Well, this horn was significant throughout the Old Testament. See, they didn't have the, the mode of communication like we do normally, and, and they didn't have cell phones to send out a mass text. And so when you needed to tell the whole village of something important, when you needed to get out a message, you would blow the horn. There'd be a different series of blows for different reasons, but each one had a message. And so there's times that they might blow the horn to, to relay an important moment in the town. There's times that you would blow the horn when you're headed into what battle. There's times to blow the horn means to advance. There'd be times to blow the horn would mean to retreat. This blowing a horn was significant. And so here on the Feast of Trumpets, they would blow it. And now they actually blew this on the first day of, of every month. They didn't have a calendar that you could look at. There wasn't an insurance agency that was passing out free calendars for every house back then. And so this was how they kept track that we're on to a new month. And they would, someone was responsible to blow the horn on the first day of the month. But on the seventh month, they would blow it extra long. And in a significant way. And it would remind everyone, today is the Feast of Trumpets. It would remind everyone today is the day that we celebrate that what is to come today is the day that we give a rest and we rest in God and abide in him, make a sacrifice. Today is the, the day, Rosh Hashanah. And so they would blow this horn and we see this horn being blown throughout the Old Testament. There's a story. They would often blow this horn as they went into battle. And there's a story you're probably familiar with in Joshua chapter 5. Right? That Joshua is preparing for battle with the city of Jericho, a formidable enemy. And he doesn't know how they're going to advance. But then he, is, he encounters someone who calls himself the commander of the army of God. And the commander of the army of God gives uh, an unusual battle plan. And one that if, he was, if Joshua was just relying on the wisdom of man, he would have quickly rejected but he knew that this was of God. And so he follows this battle plan and, and the commander of the God, army of God tells him this. On day one, here's what you're to do. You're to take your army and circle the city of Jericho and walk around it. And walk around it in silence. Do not speak, do not yell, do not let your people talk to among each other. And as you walk, have your entire army go around the city. But in the back, following that, following that walk of the soldiers would be seven priests who would follow and blow the horn. They would blow the trumpet as they circled around. And then following them was another group of priests that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant where God resided. And so Joshua takes his people and they do this on day one. And then they follow the instructions of the commander of the armies and they do this on day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, six days. They do this. They march around in silence with only the sound of these trumpets blowing. But on day seven, he gives the different instructions. So you're to march around seven times in silence, seven times. But on the final journey, we, when everyone gets in place... Give a command and all the army will scream at the top of their lungs, will yell this battle cry, and the 
horns will blow and they will blow extra long and they would be blown through here. These trumpets would sound and, and Joshua does these, follows these instructions to the T and the walls of Jericho fall down and the army is able to then advance because there's no more defense and they conquer the enemy. This horn was blown many times. This is one example, but many times throughout the Old Testament, they blow the horn as they go into battle. So much so that the Jews began to call God the horn of their salvation. Because when they'd hear that trumpet blow, when they knew God was on their side, this trumpet was proclaiming, God is here and we are advancing and we are going they know the horn of salvation. God is this horn of salvation. They will be the victors. This is who Jesus is for us. There's a prophecy in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. This is talking about Jesus. The horn of salvation, the Messiah. And as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. At the time, they thought the Messiah was coming to save them from the Roman army, from the Roman government. But that was not God's plan. There was a formidable enemy that was so much greater that he was sending the horn of salvation to have victory over. And that enemy was Satan himself. And Jesus died on the cross and had victory over that. And because of that victory, we know that he is the horn of our salvation. We are saved and we have forgiveness and we have eternity promised to us if we have given our faith in him. And if you have not done that so, I want to encourage you to come talk to me. Go to the prayer room. Don't let today pass by without giving your life over to Christ because there is a great commander of the Lord's army and he has conquered Satan once on the cross and we are going to see he will conquer him again in one final battle. And we have the horn of salvation that we can get behind and this hope of Jesus that will return one day and take us away and we will be victorious forever with him. And there's a spiritual battle that's very real going on. So often it's easy for us to set that aside and, and we don't think much about the spiritual battle. But the Bible is clear. There is a spiritual battle that is going on all around us, a battle for our souls. And as we draw closer to God, there's all the more reason that Satan will be throwing things at us to try to pull us away. There is an epic battle that we cannot see, but is going on around us day in and day out. Paul puts it this way in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. He says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Here he says, for your, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's the commander of the Lord's armies. Jesus Christ has conquered Satan. Paul says in Colossians 2, I like this, he says that Jesus had already disarmed Satan and his prince and principalities. It says in verse 15, having, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, meaning Satan, his demons, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. 
This phrase of disarming the powers, it was a military phrase that as a general went out to battle and he would fight another general or another king, if they were the victor, they would take that leader, that, that king, and they wouldn't just kill them there. No, no, they would bring them back. They would bring them back to their hometown and they would strip them of their armor. And it says, made a public spectacle of them. They would have the, those people would throw a parade for the general that is coming back in victory. And the people would come and line the streets leading into the town and they would be cheering for him as he came in and he would be walking with this king that has been beaten, this king that is, has lost, this king that is in shame. And it made a public spectacle of this, this losing king. And they would march him through. And then they would give that general the keys to the city. Picture this. This is exactly what Paul is talking about when he says, having disarmed Satan and the demons and having conquered them, he made a public spectacle of Satan. Uh, this idea of parading them through. And imagine after the cross and the victory and Jesus goes up into heaven and, and ascends to heaven, you can picture God having this parade. That leading into heaven are the angels. And we even see this in Revelation 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 12. The angels are crying out, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. This victory has already happened. And Jesus is coming back. And so this festival, this festival of the, of the trumpets is to remind us of what's to come, to give us this urgency to repent because Jesus is coming back as a final victor and there will be an end days where Satan has no more reign, where Satan is cast in to, this, to, to the lake of fire. The passages, I want to share a couple of them with you to see what this looks like. Ephesians 1 talking about what Christ has already done he ex and he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him on the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in this present age but also in the one to come Philippians 2 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We can live in this victory because Jesus has already won and he is coming back to finish this. And as we are in the feast of trumpets, as we eagerly await what is to come, as we're reminded this urgency to repent because of what's to come of our, uh, of our forgiveness. This is where we sit and we wait. Uh, Jesus has already defeated the devil. Jesus has already defeated, uh, defeated Satan and he did this for each of us. He took our sins upon him on the cross. And while he defeated the, the, Satan 2,000 years ago on that cross, the final victory is still to come. And let us look a little bit at this. Revelation 1.10, as we're talking about this final victory, the, the book opens up, chapter 1. It tells us about the trumpets. Remember, the trumpets are into victory. The trumpets are as we go into battle. God is our horn of our salvation. Jesus is the horn of salvation. Jesus is the commander of the Lord's army. Revelation 1.10, it says, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And you can imagine these trumpets blowing. And you hear this mighty victory. The horn of salvation is here. As the people of, God, of Joshua's uh, uh, army saw 
When that horn is blown, the walls fall down and they are victorious. And so Revelations opens up that the trumpets are blowing and we'll be victorious. Revelations continues, when the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go to and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In numbers, they are like the sand on the seashore, right? This sounds awful. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camps of God's people, the city he loves. And here's the change. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Jesus is the victor. He is the horn of our salvation. This is the victory that is to come. And so as we go about our day, as we go about our life this coming week, we have struggles. I won't even begin to pretend that I know everything you guys are going through. Diagnoses that are, are overwhelming. Broken relationships. Stress from work or from finding work. The, the hardships in school, the hardships in home. Everything that's going on that you might be carrying these weights on your shoulders. Let us put our faith and our hope in what is to come. This victory. The horn of our salvation has come and will come again. And maybe it might not be in this time. We might be carrying these burdens in this lifetime. But for the rest of eternity, we will be celebrating with the commander of the Lord's armies, this mighty victor. We will be celebrating for what he has done. And we will find our salvation and our forgiveness in him. This is Jesus Christ. So they use this horn, a ram's horn, as a significant use for the trumpet, for a reason. And this idea comes from a story you're probably maybe familiar with and also in Genesis. It's the story of Abraham. And Abraham was considered the father of God's people. He was, uh, God had come and said, you'll you have many, many people and, and you'll be the father of many nations. And, and he says, how can I be a father? He's an old man and he doesn't even have any kids. And, and God tells him he'll have a son. And so for a long time, he wants to have the son and he doesn't have one. But finally, Sarah's pregnant and they give birth to Isaac. Well, Isaac, his pride of his life, right? His little boy. And God calls him to do something. To sacrifice his son. As a, as a test to make sure that he's willing to fully follow God with everything he has. To love the Lord your God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. That Abraham was the first one to do that, to, to exhibit that. And so he takes his son up on the mountain. And even on the journey, his son says, well, we're going to make the sacrifice. Where's, where's the, the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And, and Abraham says, God will provide. So they get up to the Mount Moriah and they get to the altar and he places his son on the altar. And at the moment when he's about to sacrifice him, God steps in and says, wait, stop. I know you are faithful and I will be faithful to you as well. Let me, pro let me provide for you a substitute for the sacrifice. And he looks to the side and there in a thicket is a ram whose horns are caught. And Abraham is able to take that, lamb, that ram and, and make a sacrifice of him. God provided a substitute for Isaac that day. And for you and me, our sins, the things we've done, the life we've lived, 
We're destined for hell. And yet, God provided a substitute for us. A sacrifice in Jesus Christ who died in our place. Took our sins upon him. And so they blow this ram's horn to remind themselves uh, of this moment where God provided, once again, where God stepped in with the people of God. And he provided a ram, and so this ram's horn is used as the trumpet. And this morning we have communion to remind us of yet another moment when God stepped in in our relationship with him by sending his son. And so we have a trumpet that's going to be playing several different songs, the first of which being Blessed Assurance. And we have this blessed assurance because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. As the horn of our salvation, as the commander of the Lord's armies, he gave his life over for us. And he's coming back again. So this morning, the ushers are going to bring forward communion. And I want to encourage you to spend a moment thanking God for what he did, sending his son Thanking for this blessed assurance that we have in our salvation. Thanking God for Jesus, the horn of our salvation. <laughs>